0: We are Scott and Julie Stewart, the creators of Kate and Mimim.
1: And we are the next guests on On Screen and Beyond.
2: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zimrak. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 451 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, the creators of Kate and Mim Mim on the Disney Channel come our way. It's Julie and Scott Stewart. They're going to be joining us to talk about that show and all the things that they do. It's going to be an interesting one, so I hope you'll stick around for that. I am your host, Brian Zemrack. And we have a great show coming your way this week. So get ready. We've got the summer movie preview. A lot of big movies coming our way this summer, starting up very shortly. They start in May, so we're gonna give you all the information. And we'll be getting into that in just a moment. But uh I do want to uh answer a few questions. We've got a lot of different emails. Uh, over the la- well over the last ten years, obviously, but uh recently, and of course we've had some people put uh, remarks up on iTunes and uh, I wanted to address some of the things they that uh, people have uh, emailed me about and and have put up there and uh one somebody was or several people really were wondering about the lengths of our show, our interviews with the people and uh the lengths of the interviews uh vary depending on the individual now some individuals are promoting certain things and they are basically doing you know a lot of different interviews all over the place and they generally give you sometimes 10 to 15 minutes and then other people who uh, are promoting other things will give you up to maybe 30 minutes and then other people uh, who are not currently promoting something and are just willing to come on the show they'll Do a 45 minute show. So it it all depends on the people that we are uh, interviewing, what they can do. And uh, it's it's just gracious of them to come on the show. And we appreciate anything that they do, of course. But uh, that's why some shows are short. And some shows are longer. And uh, like I say, we, we really appreciate anybody who can uh, take time to talk to us. So uh, we want to thank them for that. So that answers that question. And uh, let's see. Somebody else uh, wanted to know about the questions that uh, I ask. And um, they were wondering why uh, you know I don't spend more time on... Some of the bigger movies that they've done or things like that. And I, I actually try to, um, you know, the things that they've, uh, these uh, actors or the creators or whatever, uh, you know, the music people, uh, what they've done. But uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you're trying to cram in their whole career, which could be from anywhere from 10 years to 30 years or 50 years even, into a little 15 to 30 minute interview. So I, I do tend to bounce around trying to get uh, some information about things that not everybody knows. I mean, everybody knows some of their big movies, so we ask a little bit about that. Or, you know, I try to get some things that people are not so informed about. And uh, so it, it's really a, a, it's a tough line to try to get every question in. I wish we could tend uh, spend more time on a lot of things, but when you have such a short time, you really have to just... Get it in. Then, of course, other people, uh, some of the people we interview, uh, tend to elaborate more on any subject and they can talk longer, and then we're limited on the time that we have. So, you know, it all it makes it tough. And uh, like I say, we try to do the best we can and come up with the, the questions that uh, we can try to get into the time limit that we have. And let's see, what else? We had uh, some people ask about the quality of the interview, the sound. Now, that's a tough one. That is really tough. Uh, Every interview is recorded, uh, unless we're in person, of course, Uh, and then it's a different story. That that If we're in person, the environment we're in makes a big difference. Uh, uh, So that can make a difference in the sound quality. But uh, when we are... In the, doing a phone interview, uh, that can vary by how it is being sent to me, okay, or, or we're doing it. For example, if we are doing it over the phone and they are on a cell phone, now they're Mabel or whoever you want to call it, uh, they are the ones who are controlling what we're getting. So sometimes the quality is not as good. Then other times it's you can't even tell they're on a cell phone. And then other times we have what uh, if they're working with a publicist, a lot of times the publicist will turn around and they will call me and then they connect the person to us. So then you get a three way junction there. And those are the ones that can really be, you know, iffy because you don't know what's going to happen. Then, of course, you like I say, you have uh, the quality of the the cell phone if they're calling on a cell phone. Uh, you're also um the uh, the the voice of the person somebody actually had mentioned recently about uh, uh one of the interviews that we did and it turns out that the the person I was interviewing their voice was very quiet, so you multiply that with the publicist going through a third party to get the phone call in and they were on a cell phone and <laughs> so it's really tricky and uh, the, the option is um, not to do the interview and of course I would rather do an interview that uh, the quality is a little less than not do it at all uh, so it, it's really tough and I apologize if the quality isn't as good as uh, they're hoping that you're hoping but um, like I say it, it's a it's a toss-up if if I, you know, or I don't do it. That's the only other thing. And and obviously, I don't want to do that because uh, I think we, you know, we can live through it. Or at least I can. And I hope that uh, you don't mind that. So uh, I hope that answers some of the questions that people have been asking. And uh, if you have a question, you can send it to me at feedback at com. We will continue to do these shows. And I hope that... Uh, you do enjoy them, but uh, I hope that you will please forgive me if uh, the quality isn't quite good or I don't ask the questions that you were hoping you'd get. And, uh, you know, I like I say, I try to do my best, and uh, it's uh, just a, a fine line that we're trying to do here. So uh, I appreciate all the people who listen every week and send me uh, emails and everything, and I hope you continue to do that. So let's get on with our summer movie preview. It is... Uh, going to be quite a summer, and uh, that's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness coming your way this summer. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness in the summer movie preview on May 12th. The story of King Arthur comes our way once again. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword is going to be retelling the classic tale once again. And on May 25th, Baywatch comes our way from the big screen, uh, from the small screen rather, to the big screen. And uh, who else is in it? Dwayne Johnson and Wonder Woman. She's going to be flying into theaters on June 2nd. Tom Cruise is going to take a crack at a new story of the mummy on June 9th. And June 30th, Amityville is back. Amityville, The Awakening. It arrives once more telling us the horror tale. And that is it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way for summer movie preview as uh, as far as upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies coming your way this summer as far as the summer movie preview. May 12th, Snatched, the comedy with Amy Schumer and Scarlett Johansson will be starring in Rough Night on July 16th. There's a comedy for you. And let's see, July 21st, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets with Clive Owen and John Goodman will be coming our way. And July 28th, Kevin Spacey, Jamie Foxx, and John Hamm will be starring in Baby Driver. And one more here on June 30th, it looks like Will Ferrell, Amy Poehler will be starring in The House. And that's it coming up next on on screen and beyond it's sequel city what is coming your way as far as sequels this summer in the summer movie preview there's some big ones it's next right here on on screen and beyond this episode is brought to you by fx's the veil starring elizabeth moss City. It looks like as far as a summer movie preview, May 5th it starts off with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as it flies into theaters. May 19th Diary of a Wimpy Kid The Long Haul as it continues the series. May 19th it looks like Alien Covenant will be arriving. And on May 26th, Johnny Depp is back in Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales as Jack Sparrow is back. June 16th, Cars 3 drives its way into theaters. And on June 30th, you can look for Despicable Me 3. And of course, we had an interview with the creators of Despicable Me, the original. Uh, You can look that back up at onscreenandbeyond.com and hear that. And Spider-Man, Homecoming, July 7th. And on July 14th, it's War of the Planet of the Apes. And on August 11th, Annabelle Creation. That's it for Sequel City coming your way as far as a summer movie preview. Next, it is TV on DVD. TV on DVD, June 13th. Return to Mayberry arrives with the original cast of Andy Griffith, Ron Howard, Don Knotts, Jim Neighbors, and the gang. As they come back with uh, Return to Mayberry. That was a good TV movie that was on back uh, back in the, I think it was the 80s that one was on. But uh, you might want to check that out. Also on June 13th, uh, the 1979-1980 TV movies of the Wild Wild West come your way. Wild Wild West Revisited and more Wild Wild West comes your way on DVD. And on June 20th, Under the Dome, the complete series from Stephen King. And that will be landing on DVD. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on onscreen to be on. And Beyond, movies on DVD <laughs> Movies on DVD, May 2nd. you can look for rings to arrive in stores. May 9th you can get uh, 50 Shades darker with Dakota Johnson. and on. May 23rd. The Great Wall with Matt Damon will be hitting stores. That's it for movies on DVD.) <laughs> TV and Entertainment Time, Gina Rodriguez of uh, Jane the Virgin will voice Carmen Sandiego in the new Netflix remake of the TV show. And Fear the Walking Dead, it has been renewed for a fourth season. And this week, sadly, Jay Giles of the Jay Giles Band fame has passed away at the age of 71. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. Hey!
1: We bake you a birthday cake. If you get it to me and you moan and groan and woe, don't
2: forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday Celebrity <laughs> Birthdays April seventeenth. It looks like Victoria Beckham turns forty-three. April eighteenth, Conan O'Brien turns fifty-four. April nineteenth, James Franco turns thirty-nine, and Tim Curry, he turns seventy-one. On April 20th, Jessica Lang turns 68. And on April 21st, Andy McDowell, she's going to be turning 59. April 22nd, Jack Nicholson turns 80. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Megan himself, turns 51. And April 23rd, it is Valerie Bertinelli turning 57. And that's it for Celebrity Birthdays. As far as Listener Birthdays, April 20th, David K of Nashville will be turning 57. If you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday, be sure to send it to me at feedback at onscreentobeon dot com. Get it to me ahead of time, and we will all be wishing you a very happy birthday. And that's it for celebrity and listener birthdays. Next on On Screen to Beyond, we will be chatting with the creators of Kate and Mim Mim. On Disney Junior, it is Julie and Scott Stewart right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guests... This time, we have guests are the creators of Kate and Mim Mim on Disney Junior, and they produce the Emmy winning series Abby's Flying Fairy School for PBS. It's Julie and Scott Stewart. Julie and Scott, welcome to On Screen and Beyond.
1: Thank you so much for having us. We're thrilled to be here.
2: Okay, now this is a little tricky. We haven't had double guests on the phone lines at the same time before. (laughs) Or or actually, I did do one of my very first shows. We had three people in studio at the same time, and they were all from Porkies from the movie Porkies.
1: Oh, my goodness. And that was
2: a madhouse, so (laughs) I don't (laughs) know how this will work. work? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's a pleasure having you on the show. I'm so glad that you could join us.
0: Thank you. We're really happy to be here.
2: Now, Kate and Mimim, Mim, let's start out there. Uh, it, a big hit on Disney Junior. Uh, can you give us, a, some of our listeners may not know the show, so can you give us a, a rundown of what the show is about?
1: Absolutely. Kate and Mimim Mim is an animated preschool show. It is, like you said, on Disney Junior, and it's all about friendship and imagination. Um, it starts off with a little girl. Her name is Kate and her plush bunny. His name is Mimim. And every episode, uh, the, the uh, it starts in the real world with her mom and dad. And a question is posed. And uh, they leave the room and she takes her plush bunny and she twirls off to the magical world of Mimaloo where that bunny, Mimim, comes to life. And uh, he's a larger-than-life playmate.
0: Now, how did you come up with the name Mimim. Oh, that's a funny one. We didn't. Uh, we have um, we have three children. Uh, William is thirteen, Matthew's eleven, and Kate is eight. Uh, Kate was two and a half at the time we were creating the show, um, and she was the one who actually um, named Mimim. We uh, we thought it, it, she was trying to say mommy, but for whatever reason, she called all bunnies Mimim, even that long after she could say mommy mm-hmm. uh, or and bunny. You would say she'd be like, "Look at the Mimims." So that was where the and she had at the time she had one. Plus stuffed animal Mimim, now she has like four. <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
2: does, does Kate realize that she was the inspiration for uh, the, the, the whole show, basically?
1: Absolutely, and she loves it. <laughs> She's really funny because we say, you know, it's her likeness, and it's her spunky spirit, and it's her Mimim. And the way she would dive into that imaginary world um, where she really, it really felt like to us that um, she thought Mimim was real and our boys at the time they were only 4 and 5 years old they would dive very deep into an imaginary into their own imaginary worlds and sometimes they would visit each other's imaginary worlds it was really quite spectacular and so they all three of the children of our children know that the concept came from the three of them mm-hmm. and they're really quite proud of that and they really they they very much um, know that imagination and creativity are huge parts of our family, parts of our work, and um, they really love the fact that it kind of stemmed from them.
2: Hmm. Now, did you uh, start? Uh, well, no. Obviously, uh, Abby's Flying Fairy School for PBS was your first show. Is that correct? Am yes, I- that's correct. So, so this was Kate and Mim. Mim were not your first show. Uh, you had done others. So. Uh what made the two of you or was it at that time one of you uh to decide to get into the world of animation and kids' shows and things like that?
0: Well, um I'll actually rewind a little bit. So Julie and I met in high school. We were sixteen and fifteen, um, went to separate high schools, separate universities, but we've been together uh the whole time. Um and we kind of supported each other after we got out of college into launching different businesses. Julie launched a creative computer studio for kids where she taught over the years, thousands of kids. Um, She was designing the curriculum stories. She was teaching literacy, teaching kids how to make uh, digital books and DVDs. Um, And I was a visual effects artist uh, in New York working on commercials and advertising. And we kind of combined our skills a little bit to, um, to launch Julie's studio for the, the computer studio. And then we did the same thing when we launched our, 3d animation company which is called speakeasy um uh, in new jersey and then we basically we had an opportunity to do a test for the show for sesame so we did this test and we were awarded the job and it was just such a pleasure to uh to work with sesame and to create kids content and i would always only done you know commercial work in some you know national spots and super bowl spots and those were fun but telling stories and and you know seeing the way our children responded to the show that we were working on really inspired us and uh one day we just kind of were having coffee and we said, you know what, I think we could, because we didn't create the show at Befine Fair School. We were the producers of it and we did show run and we were, you know, at the studio, you know, every day. And we selected the team that we worked with. Um, but we wanted to try our hand at actually creating a new show. Mm-hmm. So
1: And so when the opportunity came, there every year there there are markets um, out there where you can um, submit your own your own pitch for your own TV show. So we submitted Kate and Mimim Mim and went to one of the big markets, and we got a really terrific response. And I, I think the, both of us remember the moment where Kate and Mimim Mim came into being. Pretty clearly, we were sitting on our porch drinking coffee, and Kate was playing with Mimim, Mim and the boys were playing with their cars. And we, you know, their their imaginations had just completely taken over. And we had been tossing around the idea of trying to, our own hand at creating a show. Um, for a couple of weeks and then it just kind of hit us like a ton of bricks Um, and then we built a world around it and that's where all the uh, all the extra characters lily and gobble and boomer and tack um, where they all come in is in that uh in that imaginary in that imagination it is incredible
2: wow that sounds really neat uh so and I, I didn't realize this, but uh there's so there's a place where people can go who are coming up with ideas for shows that they can go to. I, I always yeah. figured you knew, you know, somebody knew you and they knew you know, there's <laughs> you know people, you know.
0: <laughs> it definitely it definitely happens that way sometimes. I mean, we were um brand new to the industry, you know, and even when we had been working with Stephanie it was still pretty insular. We weren't, you know, connecting with the with the network at large. And it wasn't until we decided to create a show that we went to these markets and, you know, people were really, really receptive. I mean, they're great. nobody knows where the next big idea is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of had the philosophy from, uh, from Ratatouille where anyone can cook. Like everybody has stories to tell and everybody has great ideas. So you go to these markets and you, you know, sometimes your material is just a single page or a verbal pitch. Sometimes you have an animation test as we did because we had an animation studio. And um, you really, you know, you you meet with um, broadcasters like Disney and Nickelodeon, Coaching Network, and then you meet with, distributors like Fremantle and e1 and then you know if you can get enough of these partners together to believe in your in your show uh you can actually get it produced
2: huh yeah so now when when you create i mean this is your baby i mean in more ways than one kate and mim M- M- is your baby I
1: mean, <laughs> <That's true. laughs>
2: but um now when you go to disney or whoever you know whatever people are gonna t- take it and and flourish it into something bigger Uh, now do you basically give up the rights to this or do you still control it or or is your input the only thing into it or they say well we don't like what you're doing here don't go this direction or is how does that work
1: well the um that's such a great question every show works a little bit differently i think that's the most important thing we've worked on um scott and i are working on several shows right now um, that unfortunately we can't talk about, but they're very <laughs> exciting, and hopefully we can have another interview with you in, the, in six months or in nine months, and we can talk about them. Um, but the way every show is slightly different. The way that Kate and Mimim worked is we our very first question to, we had a bunch of offers on the show, and our very first question was, "What do you like about the show so far?" And if their answer lined up with what we were also passionate about, that made that that potential partner much more interesting to us and um it was really uh, you know because at that point they do have notes and they are you do partner with them and they have they have a financial stake you don't get well some people do give up a whole bunch um we didn't we we wanted to retain as much creative control as we could and uh technically we have a piece of the back end so if the show ever gets paid back um it costs a lot to make a show but if this show gets paid back then we get a slice of the profits later on um Um, so, but I I guess the most important thing is making sure that you and your partner are aligned in what is really speaking to you creatively and what's really resonating because sometimes there's a little sentence in your pitch that you didn't even realize you wrote. And that's what they're really latching on to. And it's almost like an accident and you don't want that show. <laughs> you want all the other stuff around it. So mm-hmm, yeah. getting into alignment is really important because you do, you, we work on the show every single day in every capacity. We're what's called showrunners. Yep. And that means that we um, take the concept, build out characters, decide what their personalities are, how they interact with each other. We create a world and we have to articulate that world well enough that lots of people can come and play in that playground. Lots of writers, lots of musicians, lots of animators and artists. And um, if we don't articulate that vision well enough, then you get kind of a hodgepodge or you get inconsistencies in the in the world and the stories throughout the series. And so it's very important to um, truly and well define what you see. Um throughout. So every single episode, we work on one episode for forty weeks, but we're working on you know ten or twelve or fifteen or even twenty episodes at a time at various stages uh, throughout the season.
0: And just to add to that, it, you know it's also critical that you that you really like your partners. You know, we really like people at D. and at Fremantle and at Disney. I mean, you you it is a business relationship. and some of these people you talk to almost every day for however long that show's around or however long they stay at that company. So, it's really important that you, that you like these people. And when we got, we've had great people to to work with. I mean, for both season one and season two, it's been, it's been a real pleasure. We're really great teams at both companies.
2: Mm. Yeah, Yeah. And you know, sometimes like I say, if, if people aren't going in the same direction that you are envisioning and, and like I said, this is your baby. <laughs> I think that would be, Absolutely. you know, be hard if somebody said, well, we're not doing that way because you, you know, we are in control and
0: you're not, you know? Yeah. So that would be, that would be well, kind of hard. It's interesting too, because in Keaton and Mimim, um, it was a very easy process, like everything, because there has to be legal clearance for everything that you do, every script, the name of the show, character names, character design. Um, and Kate Mimum was, was, we're, we're finding now was very easy. Like it was, it was an, a unique enough concept that really it sat on its own and it was, there's nothing out there like it. Um, some of the other shows we're working on now, it's amazing. There's one show in particular, uh, we've, we've had to change the title now four times. Um, and we might have to change it again because every time you go to use it, it you find out that there's a legal conflict and there's so much content out there. These conflicts are happening with increasing frequency. Hmm. So sometimes you have to change things. And, and nobody wants to change them, but you have to because, right. uh, because of legal.
2: Yeah. Huh. Now, you mentioned uh, when you were talking about uh, the continuity and everything, when you're doing all these shows at the same time and everything. And, you know, a lot of people might think, well, it's, it's a kid's show. Continuity, well, mm-hmm. you no, know, it's not that bad. But really, kids are going to be the one that would know <laughs> rather than yeah. adults, I believe. You know, because kids
0: have really noticed this stuff. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It, it's funny because we have, you know, it's one part of the process during production is we do a, a series of watch-throughs, and we have, you know, the I was the director for both seasons. of You know, I'm in the room. We have a producer, our, you know, PM, our, our you know, our animation <laughs> director, our art director, you know, we, and we have a huge team, and you're literally just watching the episode for continuity because you have hundreds of shots in an episode, and it goes out on the floor, you know, with all the animators, and they can't track everything that their peers are doing around them, so we do this final watch-through. I swear, you put 110 10-year-old in the room, they catch more continuity errors than a room of 10 adults. <laughs> it's amazing. I believe it. yeah.
1: yeah, and those are, just, those are just visual continuity errors. If you have um, storyline stuff, you know, one episode, Tack freaks out about this thing, but in another episode, he's completely fine with it. If that hasn't been part of his character arc, it reads wrong to kids, and mm-hmm. they don't understand why this character has changed so much. And you really have to be... You, you have to know your characters and you have to not only know your characters but be able to articulate them to the wonderful writers that are out there because two fantastically written scripts might be in direct competition with each other if the if what is critical to those characters is uh, not clearly stated
2: hmm. yeah I can I can see that uh, now. What made you decide on 3D as opposed to 2D or stop motion or anything like that? What what, what was the process of going 3D, or was it because you your company was a, a 3D? Yes,
0: yeah. yeah, it was it was my background as a as a 3D artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to do a 3D show. I have not done a 2D show yet. No, I would I would love to. Now that we've done a couple, of, well, we haven't done one complete but we have a couple more that are working on their 3d um but it was really our our comfort level
1: yeah.
0: um and we moved from new jersey to vancouver to be on the floor with the team and uh, i think the show would have done very well as tv but it was just it was something we were intimately familiar with yeah. yeah now have you
2: done a lot of 3d animation yourself
0: i used to yes it's um it's you can't it's hard to be i mean we're julie's um uh, one of our story editors, I was a director. We're both writers on the shows and those are jobs that, that are really time consuming. So it would be too hard to hop in and, and actually be an artist on the box. And now I probably don't have those skills anymore because it's been years, but, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you see what they're doing and you're like, Oh, I still want to just sit down and (laughs) create or animate. But, but, um, I'd probably just embarrass myself if I tried to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't have any of those artistic bones. I have a creative mind, but that's only with words and story. And I love color, and I love, um, I love character design and environmental design. But I wouldn't. I would never be able to. Offer anything except verbal notes on anything uh, design-wise. I do not have a hand that can draw.
2: <laughs> but that—that's what makes the perfect team. You—you you know, the two of you seem to to where one of you is is not as skilled. The other one takes over, and and everything seems to blend.
1: Yeah, it's it is. It's really fun. Well, we have a, a wonderful team of designers. So, um they th- thank goodness they can read our minds and
0: <laughs> but it's, it's funny too though because our process is very much a handoff I mean it, everybody you know every just the two of us the two of us with any kind of writing or creating um you know I'll work on something and then I reach a point where I, I can't do anymore and then it goes to Julie and she works on it and it really does go back and forth between the two of us until it's finished um and it's it's amazing because we've, we've figured out a workflow that allows us to pretty much always keep moving forward whereas You know, individually, we might have stalled out. You know, we reach the point where we can't add anymore or we don't know what to do next. And then, you know, Julie takes over or I take over and it keeps going. Mm Yeah. Now, uh, no, go ahead.
1: Yeah, you know, I was going to say, it's interesting. I think so many people look at life and they say, oh, I want to challenge myself and I want to, um, uh, expand my horizons. And those are all such wonderful, wonderful, wonderful goals. But truth be told, you really want to do what you love and do what you're good at, because the two things often are the same. And if you can just get really, really good at what you're good at, you should continue doing it. And if you're hitting upon something that's challenging for you, sometimes the right answer is to not do that. Instead of, instead of hitting your head against the wall, over and over you know with with our children of course you want to tell them to always be expanding their horizons but that's to discover what they love once they've discovered what they've loved you know really in getting deep in there and and doing that a lot you know logging those hours of what you love is is really what makes you an expert on it Mm -hmm. yeah
2: now your kids are older now from when the show first started uh do they uh still watch
0: the show or they they when any show that we're working on in any stage they love to be involved um they're they're definitely production kids like if we're if i'm pitching a story episode to julie in the kitchen you know the kids are in earshot they come running in and they add to it they add gags um they actually really like watching so the basic process is you come up with a premise, then you go to a script, and then you get your storyboard. Then you you, know, you, you edit it together into a storyboard animatic, and then you get you know a couple different passes on animation before finally going through to you know uh, music and sound effects and final mix. But they really like getting involved every step of the way like they love to see storyboard animatics and they love to give notes sometimes they get too many uh, <laughs> but but they um yeah they'll watch anything that they love the process and they'll watch and participate in anything we're working on they're yeah they're great. really
1: almost age agnostic they'll mm-hmm. they'll watch stuff that really is designed for kids ages you know one to three and then they'll watch something that's designed for kids ages three to five and they and then they'll watch content that's designed for six to 11 or or 12 and up and they they have very specific opinions on each and why they know why a show resonates with each audience Um, because they are they really are distinctly quite different once you once you jump to a different age group and they can they can really kind of have fun with that It's, it's cool
0: but just a few more years and I think we can retire and they'll they'll pay the mortgage. Well, That's what I was going to say is that it sounds like they're prepping to take over for mom and dad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We actually, we have a company name now. It's just the two of us, but we have a company name that we operate under and it's just Team Stewart. And um, that is so inspiring to them because they know the umbrella is Stewart and they're they're going to hop into it. You know, they're going to be a part of that. They already are a part of it. Um, but eventually, there'll be a bigger part of it, and that's quite exciting well, for them. Well, it's so funny.
0: William was working on a creative project a couple years ago at school, and he texted us from his laptop. And he said, Dad, he goes, I need the Team Stewart logo in the copyright page for my, my Paul the Potato story that I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> so we sent it along. But, yeah, they, the business is very real to them. And I think what's really fun, too, is that, you know, when we grew up in New Jersey, you know, our families were all financed. And uh, I think the thought of creating your own show was so alien to us. And I think it's partly because we just didn't understand the process or how much work it was or how long it took that we were not intimidated by it and we just went for it. And one of the things that I'm really grateful for is now that we're in this industry, we know people who make feature films and TV shows and have published books and you know, started companies. And I I love that exposure for our children that they can see, you know, I was an artist as a kid, but there was no career path available to me. And I lost those skills ultimately, which happens to a lot of artists, unfortunately, because I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And I assumed that I would go into finance, but for our kids to grow up in a world where they can ask somebody what it was like to make a feature film or why they made certain decisions, or, you know, it, it makes all of these things. It takes the, it takes the the glamour out of it i mean it's still not in a good way like it's still really exciting and fun but it makes it very attainable right um and i i really am grateful that we've been able to provide that for our kids yeah that's great well i know we're
2: getting close to the end of the time but um i'd like to finish up with two final questions it's going to take us away from kate and mim mim and also uh the um the whole world of animation that you're in and everything but uh and you can each answer this individually. Um, the one question is, what is your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And the other one is, what's your favorite movies now and of the past? And Julie, you can go first.
1: <laughs> um, Well.
0: Or Scott can go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go first.
1: You go first.
0: Um so, just to maybe widen it just a little bit. My favorite as a kid, my favorite cartoon was Winnie the Pooh. I absolutely loved mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh. Um, and then when I was slightly older, I loved Calvin and Hobbes. Um, and I feel like a lot of the content that we've created and continue to create really shows that it was inspired by those properties. Um, my favorite movie is kind of silly, but I I, I don't really tell many people. <laughs> but my favorite movie is actually Shakespeare in Love. And it was co-written by a brilliant uh, playwright named Tom Stoppard. And the reason why I love the movie, I I love Shakespeare as a kid. Um, I loved seeing a brilliant person like Shakespeare in a production environment. And he's just lying through his teeth. I'm going to get you to play tomorrow. Yep, no problem. i almost done. You know, Romeo and Ethel, the Pirate's Daughter, here we go. You know, and he's just scrambling and scrounging. And I think it's so accurate, you know, (coughs) as an artist and as a creative. I I mean, we're still scrambling. I mean, people come to us with properties now that they want us to helm but it's just this constant you, know, you constantly have deadlines and production schedules that you're blowing away or trying to hit and i i really love seeing somebody you know who was one of my favorite writers it, it reimagined in that kind of an uh, environment
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and i think for me uh the very heartwarming um the Velveteen Rabbit. I, I don't think it's been made into any type of movie. If it has, I haven't seen it. But that was a real inspiration point for me as a book series. Or not as a series, sorry, as a book property. Um, because uh, some, something loved became real. And so that was that, along with uh, also Winnie the Pooh and, and Calvin and Hobbes as well. And Tom and Jerry. I loved Tom and Jerry. <laughs> um but that was very uh, inspiring to me. And now I really look for comedy. I love, I love really good characters, and I find that the comedy Brooklyn Nine Nine <laughs> has really good amazing. characters. Um, and I really, I'm enjoying that so much right now. But we we love many dramas. Um, we love.
0: Uh, we watched all the zombie movies too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Walking yeah. Dead. Yes. <laughs> Walking yeah. Walking Dead. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and also The Girl with All the Gifts. Yeah, we that saw The really Girl amazing. with
0: All the Gifts the other day. That was amazing.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, fun stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, Julie and Scott, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and good luck with Kate and Mim Mim. And uh, I, I thank you for taking the time to talk to us.
1: Thank you so much. And you know, what? the one thing that I just want to say one last thing. Sure. I hope I hope that the kids out there. Our goal with Kate and Mim was really to inspire kids to be creative, and to inspire kids to love and adore their imaginations and explore them. And that is our big hope: that kids come away from the show inspired to create on their own, to dive into their imaginary worlds. We hope that parents see the value in imaginary worlds, and and that they they can really expand that part of their brain. That's really where we hope that this will all ends up going.
0: Scott, any final words? Uh, no, I, I can't top that.
2: I know. <laughs> I didn't think you could. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for joining us
0: thank you brian thanks very much a big
2: shout out going to scott and julie Storch, the creators of kate and mim mim on disney jr and a very interesting interview there a lot a lot to listen to on there and we thank them so much for taking the time to talk to us and if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Love to hear from you. Hear who you would like to hear from right here. And uh, we'll see what we can do about getting that person on. And next week, we're going to do it all over again. We've got another great guest coming our way. So that's a wrap for this week. And until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>